Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 27. Today, we are bringing back one of our favorites, Mr. Ty Draney, to discuss his experience at Barclays. Not only that, but this is our first show we're doing via Google Hangouts. So Joel, myself, and Ty are all in different locations. So we're going to see how this goes. Hopefully it goes well. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Matters. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome to the Trail Matters podcast. It is a monumental day here for the reason being we are doing this through Google Hangouts. So we've got... Joel at his home, yep. and we've got a special guest, our first two-time guest to the show, Mr. <laughs> Ty Draney. Ty, how are you? I'm doing better than I deserve. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so like we said, we're bringing, bringing this through Google Hangouts so we're not in person like we're used to, so this is going to be a good test for the sound, everything we're doing, but the biggest reason behind this show is the Barclays Marathon because Mr. Ty Janey went out and participated in the event and we wanted to get to him why it was still fresh. So for those of you that don't know about Barclays, okay, or Barclays, I've heard it both ways now, so I don't know if it's because some people are from Canada and some of the U.S. or what, but don't spell uh, the it the first race, what's that? So don't spell it the wrong way. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> so the race was first held in 1986 and was inspired by the 1977 escape of James Earl Ray from the Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. It's considered one of the toughest 100-mile races in the world, 59,000-plus feet of climb over more than 100 miles. Uh, that's more than 33,000 feet of climb than Hard Rock. So that's, that's pretty stout. It's a five-loop course. Um, the start times vary depending on the conch shell. And it starts with the lighting of a cigarette. I mean, these are just some of the some of the caveats. And from what I've heard and learned is for the virgins of the race, it's like $1.60 and a license plate to get in and an essay. Am I nailing that so far, Ty? That, uh, yeah, this year that's what it was. So what, what else was there that I missed? I mean, can you give us a little – you were there. It's pretty – secret. So what, what did I miss? Well, I just tell you, but it's a secret. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is part of, part of the deal going on, but yes, there is a, um, uh, there are certain times, certain things that you need to do. Um, 
and you got to know somebody to and to get in into the race. Uh, Jared Campbell's been working on me for a while about getting in and doing this and experience it and uh, experience it. I did, no, no, no doubt about it. But uh, uh, definitely as old school as it gets. And I don't know. I think those uh, actually finished had to bring Laz a pack of unfiltered camels uh, <laughs> and a dollar sixty. So um, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 an ex it's an experience. Every Everyone seems to have seen the documentary. It looks, uh, it's kind of like the new book, right? Everyone yeah. says, "Hey, I saw the documentary," and uh, it gives you a pretty good idea of uh, of what goes on there in uh, in Frozen Head every April. So you kind of came at this, in my opinion, anyway, kind of under the radar. Like you didn't really let the cat out of the bag, right? Is that on purpose? A little bit. It's as part of when you do, if and when you do get in, 40 people get in each year. You turn in your essay, and then you get a condolence letter from Laz <laughs> saying, you know, I regret to inform you that you've been selected for the 2016 Barkley Marathons. And it, um, yeah, it goes, and he goes on, and that's part of his warning. He says, we won't post this on a list anywhere so you can fail. Uh, <laughs> and so when so when you do fail that you you know you can do so you can maintain some shred of dignity and that, that's kind of the I wish I had it here in front of me to, to you know I printed it off and kept it but uh, yeah stuff like that more like and things like maybe you shouldn't worry so much about training and just getting your affairs in order um, <laughs> so, so it's all it's all ominous t tongue in cheek like uh, like that but uh, yeah it's uh, it's all it's built for. So I guess you're, you uh, you go to the race. Was it, since you haven't been there, you haven't been there before, right? Even as a crew or spectator or anything. Nope, that was my, that was my first time to Tennessee, let alone uh, Frozen oh, Head. So, so what was your understanding or feel for the, I don't know, the pre-race or the the mood or the the people that were there? Was it seemed like it was bigger than years past from like maybe Jared? mentioning it or Laz or someone that's been there before Oh, the, the media the media presence was crazy you know I don't yeah. know why I have the luck of ending up at these events but it obviously on a smaller scale you don't have as many runners but uh, it reminded me of Hard Rock in 2014 when Killian showed up you know the drones and the <laughs> uh, the the mass the mass the mass media at the at the finish when Jared finished it, it was uh, it was crazy, you know, and uh, just the the thirst, I guess. I don't know, prompted by the by the documentary, but there, yeah, there were there was a lot of that. I think I counted. I picked up just from participating this year and from other from uh, Patagonia Trail Running sending stuff out and Leon sending stuff out that. I think in 24 hours I picked up like 150 followers on Instagram just <laughs> because people, inquiring minds want to know. I don't know if it's the mystery, it's the new thing, uh, the kind of the, I don't know how many people in the last month have said, oh yeah, I saw that documentary. And I think it's part of that phenomenon, you know, as, uh, as the sport grows and people are trying to figure out what on earth that makes Laz click. And why he does what he does out there. <clears throat> so, so with the with the documentary and the social media and the blogs and the the articles and those stinking podcasts that are out there, 
you know, do you think it's going to change much with that race? Do you think it's going to change the feel, what it originally was? I mean, do, what do you think on that? Uh, it, it has to influence it, you know, but I think this was a pretty good test this year, kind of, I think, again, referring back to Hard Rock a couple of years ago, that it held up well, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, could, could they hold to their their core values, but there's a certain amount of, of adaptation that has to take place, right? And yeah. like you said, we're all part of this problem of, of the, the sport growing, but um, yeah, I, I think I think they will. You got that core group there, and uh, I think as long as Laz is there, that uh, you know he's pretty much makes it clear that he he's going to do whatever he like whatever he likes, and it's his race, and and that was part of the appeal to me that there wasn't updates every uh, aid station. In fact, there weren't really any aid stations, so uh, <laughs> any of that stuff was. Uh, was kind of a parody of, of, of what we do, but uh, uh, yeah, they, they hold pretty tight to a lot of those, those, those rules and expectations that they have. So are we ready to maybe then jump into the actual event itself now? Maybe yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well, from when you, when you arrived, take us through preparation, conch blow, sleep, and start, and your first lap. Uh, well, that, that that's a lot, but uh, yeah, you they have that twelve-hour window when the when the race is going to start. Um, uh, from so someone was claiming that the Laz decides. Do you know beforehand? What's that? Do you know that beforehand? So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yep. it's going to start from like midnight to such and such time. Midnight to noon. On Saturday was all fair game. It, all of us, me included, not that I knew anything, uh, were anticipating because last year they got a really late start. I want to say it was like 11:45 or something. So people waited around all morning, <laughs> just waiting to waiting to. Well, and he blows it one hour. You have one hour once once the, he blows the shell, and um, so all of us were anticipating maybe like a a midnight and five minutes or something super early, but uh, he claims that's part of his thing is he sets the time a year ahead of time. Oh, wow. He doesn't tell anybody, and he tries to anticipate what everybody thinks he will do and do the opposite. <laughs> and so um, just how his mind works, I guess. So we, did, we started at like 10.42 or something was 10.45 or something official start time, and so there's there's a lot of waiting around for sure. Um, you could tell the people who were handling that well and people who weren't handling that well. Um, it was nice to get a full that night. Weren't handling it well. What were they doing? Oh, just already getting frustrated, you know, uh, <laughs> stomping stomping around, saying we got waiting for the 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 bleep and bleep and shell to blow and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the number one takeaway I got from this is, I mean, from that very first condolence letter, it's just full on mentally <clears throat> that right. he's gonna he's gonna yank your chain, you know, any way he can to kind of test your uh, even more your physical fitness, your mental fitness, and your desire to to compete and participate in his event and so we waited around waited around yeah there's just like the air going out of a balloon when that conch shell f 
finally blew, you know, everyone's like, oh, thank goodness, we, <laughs> we know, um, uh, and then, yeah, everyone just kind of assembles, it's, it's a small group, 40 people, there are at least that many more press people there as there were runners, and wow. then it's just pretty unceremonious, they count it down, and Laz lights a cigarette, and we went running up the trail, what little there was, a little trail right there out of, out of the campground, and, and it was, it was on just like that. So, what was your plan then for your first loop? Did you have a plan? Uh, yeah, actually, and and I didn't know him beforehand, but I knew of him. I I teamed up with uh, Jason Poole, he, who's he's uh, he's done a ton of. In fact, he's actually competed at the World Orienteering Championships, uh, things like that, and so. I knew I didn't have the fitness or the 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 gusto to try to stay with Jared and Gary, um, and just as we figured, they went charging, and the three or four people who went charging after him, it it ended poorly for those guys. Uh, I think earlier than it normally would have. Um, as we started picking people up off on that second loop, and and we we made a good team, I say. Um, and he was very kind to to help me out, you know, helping with bearings and helping us find the books. And he had he had run the race previously, but it had been about eight years. So oh, wow. it's again, it's it's kind of evolves, and and so there were some things even he wasn't really prepared for. And um, yeah, it's I don't know, it's hard to explain because I don't think I'm as erect physically as I would have been in a normal race because you can't ever just really, really charge. You know how we come, even in a <clears throat> big hundred, I mean, there comes a point you just kind of bow your neck and put your head down and follow the markers and just, it just becomes all effort. And at no point is it ever that way at Barkley, you know. Uh, all the other effects, keep finding the books again, you know. You're giving a written description of where the books are and you know, it, it's about as incredibly vague as you, you might imagine. Descriptions. Do you remember one of them? Offhand, uh, it'll say things like, like you'll find it under the dead tree of three quarters of the way up the ridge. <laughs> okay, thanks. Pretty, pretty specific. Yeah, have you have you been in the forest back there? Yeah, there's lots of dead trees in that forest, <laughs> and lots of ridges, and so um, uh, yeah, it comes down. You you know you're. You, he has a master copy of the map, and you don't see it. You bring your own map, and you got to copy that off of. And you know it's a park map, which is arguable how uh, how accurate that thing is anyway. And then, then yeah, you're just going. And so we spent a lot of time. Eric Storheim was with us too uh, on that first lap, and until well, he fell and literally split open his butt. Um, oh, it was, a, it was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was like a huge paper cut on his right cheek. And so, uh, and he, he ended up pulling partway through the second loop for a few other reasons. So, Jason and I spent the whole 42 hours you were out there, you know. So, the, the rules are you get 12 hours per lap, to, and we got through our first one in about 10 hours. That gave us a few more hours to get through our second, so we were under the cutoff. 
and and then I I had determined I had had enough and I wasn't going to go out for a third loop. Uh, I thought I was prepared for the um, the onslaught of uh, you know do-gooders there at camp trying to get me back out there. And, uh, <laughs> I, not, not with uh, Leon there, huh? What's that? Not with Leon there, huh? He kicked you right out. Oh. Oh, I, I was even I would, you know who got it was Mindy Campbell was just way too kind and here she is you know uh, the rest of them I told them I was, I was well prepared to tell them to hang it in their ear and be able to walk away and uh, you know when when Mindy's taking care of you and she's uh, you know five months pregnant and she knows all the right things to say and so I figured I did, didn't have anything else to do anyway I might as well head up for another lap. Uh, I, I knew the, the the way we were moving, we weren't going to make the cutoff. So to get the fun run in or three laps, you have 40 hours. And I think we ended up at 42 hours and four minutes, I believe. And so I don't even know what that means other than we didn't officially get a fun run. But we collected all their pages and uh, I don't know. So still trying to figure all that out. So we were either didn't finish or... We were like fourth place. So, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. It's it's all, all same difference. So so one loop is approximately what I've heard from twenty to twenty six miles. What would you gather? I mean, it, I guess it varies depending on being lost or, or something. Well, but, yeah, it depends on how much extracurricular you add on there. But <laughs> I I would guess that's somewhere in between there. I'm guessing it was twenty four ish maybe. Um, like I say, you add these little spurs. It's it's hard to tell, you know, without any GPS, without an altimeter, any of that stuff. It'll be interesting someday when that's all revealed to see really what it was. You know, this year they were telling us there was 67,000 feet of climbing, oh which I can't. That's, uh, wow. Yeah, I did, but I, uh, though, you know, it, it was plenty. And my last climb up this climb they called Checkmate was I swore it was ten thousand feet. I mean it was crawling all fours and through the dead leaves and the rocks and the it, I just thought it was never gonna end. But I I'm not a math guy either, but I have a hard time believing you can get that much climb in the without having five and six and seven thousand foot climbs like you do at hard rock, you know. But uh uh yeah it was yeah it was plenty and you get two that you go clockwise, two you go counterclockwise, and then in, if there's, like there were this year, Gary and Jared had to decide one was going to go one way and one was going to go the other way. And somehow they decided that ahead of time. So, Well, I mean, just looking at it in perspective, when you're talking about 20-plus miles, I mean, near 20-plus miles, you don't think it's going to take 10 hours, right? I mean, you do a, a marathon race and you're sub three or you know, a little over three, so at 10 hours, I mean, that's perspective. That's a long time for 20 miles. Well, there's so so many opportunities to, again, because there's not a single marking out there. And you're just going off of your map. You're getting bearings. And, you know, you're finding this spur and you're falling the ridge down. And so, yeah, the, the opportunity to lose time, A, in camp between laps, and then just B, when you're trying to find the books. I mean, you know, that. so you're often moving, you know, moving a lot better clip than that, but then suddenly you lose 45 minutes because you can't find the book, 
right? Or you're off, and and you only have to be off one click, you know. And there's a, I say there's a lot of a lot of dead trees in that forest or whatever, <laughs> and it it can that that stuff creeps up on you, and then you start adding. You know, we were up for I was awake for 48 hours straight. Wow. And you st you start adding that to you know my already feeble mind powers anyway, and then it's uh, yeah you just you move you just end up moving incredibly slow, and and there's so little margin for error, and that's what's so so amazing for like Jared doing what he's done is to be able to handle all that as the course gets tougher each year. Every time someone completes it, he makes it a little bit harder, and so. Well, yeah, when you look even at Jared, I mean, he finished in 2012 in like 56 hours, 2014, 57 hours, and then this year, 59 hours and 30 minutes. That's unreal. Oh, I just can't imagine being awake that long. That was a thing by mine. You know, I think physically I could have kept going, but again, I wasn't moving fast enough to where I could get any sleep in between laps. And yeah, that just becomes incredibly difficult to process all that you need to process to to finish like that. So one of the things that was new this year was when you're getting one of the books, you had to read Braille. Is that correct? Oh, kind of. Kind of. We, we, <laughs> they did have a book in Braille out there because the one gal was attempting it. Uh, but it w originally when we checked in, we got these cards that had our note because you have to pick your page number that corresponds with your bib number. And so he gave us his card so we'd know which page was ours, right? Because none of us read Braille but her. But in the end, when we let when he lit his cigarette, he told us he was just yanking our chain and just to grab a page. It didn't. Um, it didn't matter. That was a serious mind game having to find that thing in Braille. You're already tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, and and you just don't know, you know. Probably the funny, and if I had anything unique happen to me, is I um, show up and you, they, it's almost like a little ceremony. I'd actually had some correspondence with him and already sent my license plate in, but I brought another and just because I wanted to be part of the, you know, like on the video, you hand it in and shake his hand and that sort of thing. Um, and so I show up and. He didn't have my number. It had I don't know. It had stuck to somebody else's number or <laughs> but my assigned number, and I'm still wondering a little bit if that wasn't part of the, his deal just to see how I would react. And he was. He told me I needed to go find my number in camp, and I said, "Well, I'll, so I'm number 77. I'll be running tomorrow with or without that." I I didn't ever go and ask anybody. You know, I was going to go around camp saying, "Hey, have you found my number?" Uh, so I actually didn't have a number my first lap officially, uh, and then I, I gave him, I enjoyed giving him a hard time about being the only person in history to have to do a whole lap before he actually got his number at Barclays. So, uh, gotcha. <laughs> so uh, again, I, I I think he was pretty sincere in that he just it got misplaced or it stuck to the other guy, you know, number seventy six or number. 78 or whatever, but no one ever stepped forward, and so I just did my first lap without a number, and then just had to remember it, and then I got my other numbers the the, the next couple of laps, so uh, yeah, kind of funny. So what was, I know the whole thing to me just is ridiculous, just hearing about it, tough, 
you know, what was the toughest part for you? You were talking about the physical part. You could have went longer. Was it the mental part of it? Was it the not knowing? I mean, what, what do you feel like was the toughest part? Uh, yeah, just the, the, the route, the route finding. And then, yeah, just even though you're repeating, interestingly enough, the loops, you know, we did our first two, the, the one, the second one was all in the dark. Well, mostly in the dark. And so that really made no sense to me. It wasn't until I went out on that third lap and went the other direction that I kind of at least got a better idea of where I was and what was going on. I don't know how to explain it. It kind of gave me a 3D view, kind of. I was like, oh, finally, I see where we're at now. I get what's going on. And not that it helped me find books any faster, but but there was there were sections, even though I was more tired of clarity, because I had been there you know, been through there and then kind of going back the other direction. Uh, I could see why it was such a huge advantage to, you know, go back and having been there once already uh, <clears throat> rather than relying so heavily on others and stumbling around the park. So saying being there once already, is this something you're going to attempt again, you think? Or is it kind of a one and done? Uh, pro probably not. I don't. I don't think so. I got uh, a limited amount of time. I think to to be able to do some other events, and I won't. I'll won't ever say never, because you, you you don't know. But uh, I I experienced what I set out to, and 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 it was awesome. And I'm glad I got to be a part of that. Because I don't know. Is I don't know if the how long the race will be around as it is. You know, if you know, if something happens to Laz, if it'll even continue, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things there, and uh, yeah, I have others, others on the bucket list now. It, I don't have this burning desire now to think. Well, I almost got a fun run. I got to go back and finish. Uh, none of that, at least right now. Nice. So if you did change your mind, you did go back. How much of an advantage do you think you'll have then? Uh, a lot. Well, it depends on how how long it is too. You know, another how how the course changes and evolves each uh, year. But I huge. I I just I could rely a lot less on other people and and information and and things to get around the park because at least now I kind of have a general idea of the layout and how it goes what happens right. back there so um well, how yeah. did you deal with the navigation component where you had that map and you had your compass were you comfortable with that no not at all <laughs> did, you get, did you get better no, at no yeah just uh, i i spent most of the time mooching you know i can i can read uh, read a map and i can you know but uh yeah i it relied heavily, especially that first lap on Jason, and then I say we ended up we ended up uh, joining up with another guy on that last lap that we caught who had been there a bunch of times, and you know it's, it's always weird kind of working with somebody, especially in a race that long, because everybody's energy ebbs and flows are different and stuff like that, and I think in a different situation, I don't know that we would have all stuck together but by the time you spent you know 40 hours with somebody working on this it it just it felt right like the right thing to do to just you know tromp it on out and and it it was awesome I, I did enjoy it and I appreciated 
uh, his being willing to take me under his wing uh, and help me out through that. You know, with, with Gary going with Jared and Jen Lynn was with, uh, with the, was it Heather Anish? Yeah. So I think that's the, the kind of the game plan you got to go into this with is find that, that person that's been there before and not, like you said, mooch, but, you know, work it's together. It's like a mental relationship at the point. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. You know, I understand the first guy that ever finished a 100-miler came from England, and he did it on site like that. And I, that's mind-blowing to me that uh, even whatever the course was 10 or 15 years ago that someone could do that. You know, even someone as experienced as Jason, you're either A, in the dark, or and or there's not landmarks per se. You know, you right. don't. It's not like it's not like you know the Wasatch Front runs, uh, you know, north and south, and you can kind of figure that out. You're down in these hollows, and it's, uh, yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game back there in, in that those wooded environments, because like you said, you don't have that line of sight like we do out here in the West. Yes, huge. It makes it super confusing. And then the little side trails and the ins and outs and, you know, the game trails. And then there there were probably maybe five miles total on that loop that were actually established trails. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're they're like, hey, the book's at Leonard's butt slide. Oh, got it, you know. <laughs> So would you is would you, if you if you were to do it again? I know we're speaking in that context a little bit. Would you do anything differently to prepare than say you did this time, or is there something you picked up on that you might do differently? Uh, it would definitely be the compass work. I'd I need to, to improve there. Um, you know, physically, actually, I think I nailed it. I think I was pretty good where where I needed to be. Um, I think the tendency for some is to overtrain for Barkley. I know there are a lot of people that towed the line that were just cooked, really? you know, from all their laps, and you know, uh, and I, I went last month or whenever it was to, at the end of February there to Rufa and had an eye opener there. I knew I was way behind, and just clicked it off and uh, was a little more consistent. I had a couple weeks of about thirty-five thousand feet of climb. Um, but I th and I think the last run I really training run was about ten days out. I got in almost twelve thousand. But yeah, the numbers are so weird. It's so different than other things. That like that last training run was twelve thousand feet of climb and and uh, uh, I want to say ten miles. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, um, but I think the physical part was was pretty good. I, I don't know how you practice for the sleep deprivation, um, but yeah, I would definitely spend, get better at using uh, a compass for sure. So what's next on the, the calendar for you? Now you got kind of Barkley out of your system. You guys full on the track season up there in Star Valley? Oh yeah, yeah we uh, yeah we're getting after it. Uh, so yeah, busy with track stuff. Next race will be uh, I think the 60k at Smut. I think I'll go run it. Um, I may make it up to Bighorn to pace maybe, and then I've got Old Gabe is a new one for me up there in Bozeman. Uh, 
Oh, nice. A 50K. Um, also, that's a busy June. Uh, July, uh, got my, uh, my focus uh, event is helping at Kroger's at Hard Rock. I made the, made the cut there, so that's going to be a good time. I'm excited to go up there with Rock and Jared. And So how do you make the cut to the uh, the Kroger's aid station? Did somebody I, retire? Uh, they were busy. I think there was a couple of guys who had like family emergencies or family trips, and a couple others got in to the race. And so, so yeah, you were I on got, the wait list then for that aid station. Yeah, so I got bumped up, you know, up the got moved up off the wait list. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then the, the actual focus event is a fat dog in, in August. And so and how long all these kind dog? of lead towards that. What's that? So how long is that, <clears throat> that fat dog race? Went 120 miles. Nice. You're, you're in for this big excruciating stuff then, right? Because some of those other races, old Gabe, I mean, they're, they're pretty tough too. Yeah, I, I guess it, I can be more competitive, you know, because I'm more stubborn than I am uh, talented uh, and fast at this point. So th that tips the scale a little bit in my favor if 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 they're uh, a, a little bit tougher that way. Well, I think it's funny that you you were waitlisted on a uh, aid station. I don't think I've ever heard that before at Hard Rock. It's, so yeah, it's pretty. Big. Hard yeah, Rock's go back. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have to go back and watch. Have you, did you see the Solomon video they did last year on it? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Yep. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that to give back a little bit. And any any time spent with Rocco is is good time. And so, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to to see. Luckily, we get them early, in the early part, so people will still be pretty excited, fired up, and we'll <laughs> get, them, get, get them taken care of and send them, send them down, on down the mountain. That sounds pretty good. So, how is your, the registration going for Vaquero Loco? Got some good numbers? Uh, I think so. Honestly, I haven't looked that closely. You know, the this Barkley thing's kind of been all-consuming, and so um, yeah, we're uh, we got to get some of that that stuff going along too, and make sure we yeah have that race this year. Well, you, you need to go. You need to go on that ultra sign-up side on the, you know, being the race director and click that button to show people who's entered, like oh, yeah. the entrance list. Oh, yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys are eyeing the competition already, huh? I see what's going I just, on. I just want to see, I just want to see who's going so I know who, who I got to fight for those Huckleberry sodas. Oh, all right, all right, yeah, well, we'll get to it. Like I say, it's been way down the list, but it, we'll get some of that stuff rolling along in the next, next couple of months, get, uh, so we're ready and, have enough sodas for everybody. Well, I'll tell you, me and Joel usually, not just, not, well, usually, we always do these podcasts together, and we usually have a, a beer, but, and I know this is, so this, this show, I don't know if you see this, Ty, we're on a little pod, pod uh, Google Hangouts, but you got me hooked on these LaCroix drinks, so there I'm having go. one today, I'm having one today for you, that cherry lime one is my favorite. Perfect. Sounds so, good. Uh, I thought I'd suck one of these down when I talk to you. Yeah, when we get when we one of these times, I'll have to figure out how to get you some Huckleberry soda so you can have one of those the next time you have to do a podcast. <laughs> we we'll take them. Yeah. 
I think it's awesome that you went out there, and that's such a, I mean, just looking through the, the loops and everything at Barclays, that's just an awesome experience, I'm sure, but just the, you know, what you went through, that's why I want to get to you early, just to hear the stories and hear, you know, that scares me. When you, I mean, the part we talked about being in these little gullies and not being able to see, it's dark. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll run a race, and if I don't see a, a marker every quarter mile, I freak out on a trail. Yeah, it, take, it takes a little bit to get out of that mentality. And that's, you know, it's been super interesting to me. I, uh, I have a sister that lives back east, and she somehow on the, in route, I was, by the time I made it to Salt Lake, she had texted me for something else, and I told her I was on the road and what was going on. And first thing, she was like, hey, we want to come. I'm like, uh, save your, you know, gas money, because it, it's just, I'm not going to be in camp very much, and you're not going to be able to see anything, but I kind of turned to her and said, hey, watch the Netflix documentary and you'll have an idea what's a grocery shop and the next day in Nashville trying to get, you know, buying, it's like a week's worth of groceries, I think, that I planned on to get through that race. Uh, uh, that was one of the funny threads that went on on kind of their list serve was how many calories, someone asked, you know, how many calories does it take to finish Barkley? And of course, Laz came up with something like 41,000, something <laughs> rather. That's, and so everyone was speculating on how you could get your calories. You know, it was like, you know, 5 million bananas or, you know, 163 sticks of butter. And uh, I, went for, I went for lard. Uh, that was about my only contribution. I said, you know, it, that's like eight and a half gallons of lard or something to take oh, to get. That's get like disaster pants. Yeah, <laughs> but so I'm anyway. I'm shopping for all this food, and I just get this text from my sister, and it says, "I watched the documentary. You be really careful." And <laughs> so, uh, and and my wife didn't even watch the documentary till I was back there. She says I started it a couple times and was like, she's too worried, and uh, I didn't. Part of it's pretty. Oh, you still there? Yeah, we're here. I can hear you. Part of that, part of go. that's pretty amazing, you know, that he just sends some people with a number out there in the woods, and there's no aid stations. There's, you know, the race director part of me is like, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> no, no, no wonder the guy smokes and just sips on his moonshine or whatever, because that would that would make me crazy, you know. Yeah, but, right. Somebody's gonna die doing that one year. Somebody's gonna well, get their head. And, it's gonna be but, cold, you know, wet. As hard as it was, you know, I I think something like Hard Rock is way more dangerous. You know, and we had we had mild weather, and so I suppose if it's snow and you could get hypothermic and and some of that stuff could happen. But we had bluebird weather. It was almost too warm, you know, for a little bit of it. But uh, I didn't ever feel like. You know, my life was in danger. I didn't ever hear any banjos playing in the in the forest or anything, so it was pretty good. <laughs> Some of those guys took like 35 hours to complete just one loop. We they did. Yeah, we ran into that group. We were on our second loop, and they were navigating kind of like moths. I think wherever <laughs> there wherever wherever there was lights, they would flock to the lights. Because when they ended up flocking to us, we were also uh, incredibly lost. So, um, and then they came running up, and anyway, yeah, we were trying to figure out where they came from, which lap they were on, and that was pretty amazing because we finished the second loop, 
And then we were two and a half hours into our third loop before we saw them again, and they still had to finish. So, yeah, uh -huh. some, some pretty amazing stories. Because I think Gary Robbins posted it best. He said, you know, no one leaves uh, camp with 35 hours worth of food. <laughs> That's a lot of lard. Yeah, well, the, maybe they did. Maybe that's what they're sucking through that uh, those hydration facts. I don't know, but uh, yeah, some pretty pretty amazing. Uh, there's another gal there from Sweden that was out for 26 hours or something. But uh, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that holds up as, again as the race becomes more popular and if they're going to be able to keep their secret stuff secret and. I, I don't know. It's, it's a whole, whole new interesting wrinkle in in the in the sport that we do. So besides the watching the documentary, is there anything that it missed on? Like anything that you picked up on that was maybe uh, wasn't included that should have been included that wasn't? No, uh, they they did a great job actually. I think it makes more sense once I've been there. You know, um, I. Probably one thing that stood out to me, you know, as you read the banter and stuff, and probably mostly people posting who haven't been able to get in, but they're like, can't believe what a control freak Laz is, and this and that and the other. He's just pawn, you know, pawn. We're just pawns in this weird game of his, and all all these things that you read is, it's um, he does really really care about the runners. He does want to see everyone kind of push their limits, and. I know in the all the videos I've seen, the documentary included, he gets this look when, like when, when especially when people finish the whole thing, and it's this, I don't know, he's just like his buttons are gonna burst. He's just this proud, proud papa, you know, <laughs> that uh, someone jumped through these five million hoops. Because, and you think about it, as crazy it is as it is. And different as it is, I wouldn't say that it's less contrived than a normal race. I would say it's very much more contrived with its little ins and outs and doesn't make it better, worse, whatever. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's very contrived. But he is so pleased, you know, when people are kind of able to, to put up with all that stuff and then just push through, push through, push through. Um, yeah, that's kind of one of the things that I'll take with me, you know, that just his effort to get to know uh, every one of the runners and, you know, that small of a field, I guess that's an easier thing to do. And then just he really did, I mean, just really pleased that uh, someone's able to, able to pull it off despite him completely stacking the odds against people. So... Um, I'd say it's pretty pretty accurate, I think. So, other than that, I mean, Laz, he's he's kind of what he portrays then in, in the film and in real life. Uh, yeah, very much so. Give you a hard time. You know, one of the things that I wasn't aware of is he he goes through and get, does a pre-race predictions <laughs> for everybody. And like mine was that I was going to break the unbreakable record. The guy that was spent two miles on the course and was out for 32 hours, <laughs> and and that I would be that I would be lost for the next five days. Um, uh, Jason Poole was going to be the first woman finisher. 
Yeah, I'm, so just all totally. And he took the time to, you know, for the foreign athletes to at least Google translate those into his own language and <laughs> in their own language. And uh, yeah, just uh, a lot of as bizarre as it might be, a lot of a lot of TLC. And you know, the race director in me really appreciates a that he spends so much time at it, and then b that it's, I mean, he does what he wants, and the park lets him do it, and he doesn't have to deal with all the red tape that the rest of us have to. Yeah, well, I think I think it's that's awesome. I mean, seeing Jared three times, some of the some of the other names on there, what they've done, just the hours out in there. And I don't care if you get two hours of sleep in camp or an hour. I mean, that's just the whole different game i don't i've always looked at barclays but watching the documentary my respect level went through the loop through the roof um so to see people like yourself go after that's just awesome yeah it's it, it will i say it lived up to expectations and glad i got a chance to do that no i just want to thank ty for being number one the first ever guest we've had on twice that's, actually that's three times huge, right yeah, three. Right. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Am I now? It might be the the only three time finisher I've been. Then if it's three times, I don't that's know. right. And we just hope this one turns out right. Well, hey, it, <laughs> it 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 wouldn't be the first time I've thrown you guys a dud for sure. I think so far it's pretty good. So for those of you that are are going to listen to this show, we're doing this on the Google Hangouts right now. So. It's going to be up on the, the Cat Blue Web Designs uh, YouTube page, but I'll, I'll share that over with the Trail Manners YouTube page so you can watch it. But uh, we're interested to see how this turns out. It could be something awesome, like a new tool that we can use for future podcasts where we can go ahead and announce the time and the date, and you guys could watch it. You can also send us text questions if this turns out pretty good. I'm excited for it. I know Eric's been, like, super nervous for it. Well, th thanks again, Ty. We appreciate it. I don't want to take any more time away from you and your family. Um, but uh, we, can't, we can't wait to see what else you do this year, and I'm sure we're going to have you back on at some point. Well, appreciate it. You might keep in mind, yeah, next time I do have a face made for radio, so you know, <laughs> keep that in mind with your new thing, with with your new process here. So, well, well we're by, by then, hopefully you'll have a beard back again. Well, yeah, I, yeah. You no, know, it's it tends to do it as itself, and it was coming back pretty good for the race, and then it was my wife's birthday yesterday, and so that was one of her requests, and so we're 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 starting from scratch, so. Give me a month or two, and I'll be back in the game. Well, we've been we've been doing this for 40 minutes, and since we can see each other, I've actually seen it grow <laughs> as we've been talking. So I like I, your chances. I, I think just talking about Barkley does that to you. I think. <laughs> well, nice. Well, thanks again. Me and uh, Joel will be up at El Vaquero, and we definitely recommend everybody else jumping on because that's going to be not only a great race but a fun time. So we're excited to come up again this year. All right, Thanks, so we're going to go ahead and end the show then, guys. And uh, like I said, look for this video on the uh, Trail Manners website, and uh, then the actual podcast will air on Tuesday as normal. So, again, thanks a lot for Eric jumping in. Thanks, Ty, jumping in. This is Trail Manners at our initial Google Hangout. 
We'd like to thank you for listening to the Trail Manners podcast. And also thank you for your patience while we work out the bugs through Google Hangouts. We promise they will get better. Uh, we'd also like to thank Mr. Ty Draney for joining us, sharing his experience at the Barclays Marathon. We'd like to encourage everybody out there to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners, or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. Don't forget to check out all the Trail Manners gear on our page. The Boco hats are going to be back in stock within the week. Don't forget to snag those. They go quick. So until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.